0: Listening to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 112 of the Testudo Times podcast, where we should be watching opening day of the baseball season, enjoying all the pomp and the circumstance for that. But instead, we're talking about more mad Maryland basketball news. That's been a theme since November, Thomas, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it's been kind of all over the place. And it was all over the place last night.
1: Oh, man. Certainly
0: it was. I, I have to admit, I was so focused on other things going on that it took me a couple of hours to realize, oh, boy, this news has dropped and it all dropped at once. There wasn't even any spacing between the news that dropped last night.
1: No, my favorite was I have one night class this semester, and it's Wednesday night. Um, and on my way to class, Justin Jackson news drops. Um, and then during class, the Dion Wiley news drops. And then toward the end of class, John Feinstein tweets that Lefty Drizell's in the Hall of Fame. And obviously there's no formal announcement, but then... Once he writes it himself for the post, we're like, okay, let's just run that. And so that it ended up being really a not even a quiet day because pro day was the same day, but it it turned into like our busiest night in a while.
0: Isn't that funny how that always happens? Like you expect these days to be kind of not boring, but we'll get pro day. There might be a little bit of news here and there, and then all the news happens in an hour, and you can't be there. To take care of all of it because you're in class.
1: Oh, I was able to take care of it, but still, it's it's crazy. Uh, and the funniest thing is, like, last year was exactly the same, except Trimble announced in the afternoon. That would be a. That I don't, I don't know so if you day. remember, but <laughs> Micah Thomas left that same day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did. So that they lost Trimble and Micah Thomas on the same day, and also that was Pro Day too. Why does it always happen on Pro Day? That's really odd. I I don't know. And I, I also this disagree. year, this year Maryland had a first round prospect, you know, on the mount, you know, during pro day. So
0: yes, they did. And we will get to that in just a moment. But uh, we have to start with the basketball news. This podcast was basically going to be very pro day centric until last night, and then it, now it's not anymore, because Justin Jackson told Jonathan Gibney of ESPN that he is going to be going to the NBA and hiring an agent. He made a good letter and had a good statement to say that he was going to do this. And I don't think any of us are really shocked by the decision, Thomas. It seemed like it was inevitable. And as Jeff Ehrman pointed out on Twitter last night, once he had shoulder surgery instead of playing through the shoulder injury that he had, that made it seem a little bit more inevitable in hindsight that he was going to the NBA and this was the plan all along. But even though this news seemingly was inevitable, and I think Maryland was planning for it for a while, it still stings
1: yeah I mean, just because we we never really got to see what Justin Jackson could be because he played hurt for the first part of the year and then just didn't play for the second um, you know as far as he's the number forty two prospect I think on draft Express um which is obviously early to mid second round, and if he's healthy, he might play himself into the back of the first. Um, But if he's not healthy, he might play himself out of the draft because he's not – his upside isn't the kind of upside that people will take a flyer on if he can't do anything. Um, This is correct. This is why I do have doubts about him doing it and just hiring an agent, Um, you know, just to close one door completely, even if it does still make sense and especially because he's 21 now. He's basically the age of a junior. Um, And with another year, it's not like he would get younger. You know, maybe a healthy year would help him, but maybe it wouldn't. It didn't help Melo. So, um, you know, I think he saw all that and decided, you know, this was the right time. And if he's healthy, I think he'll be, you know, a pretty solid prospect ultimately. But... If he's not, then it's going to end up
0: being a mistake. This getting to the discussion that we have all the time, we had this with Mello, we had this discussion with Diamond Stone, you have this with basically every not-can't-miss prospect in college basketball now. And for as many Marvin Bagley's and DeAndre Ayton's and Michael Porter's as there are, there are Justin Jackson's in this universe. And our friend Matt Allen Tuck, who knows more about this than almost anybody else, had a great tweet last night then I'm going to read to you verbatim because it does me no good to rephrase it it's better to just say it from him he says let's talk reasonably about Justin Jackson paying basketball for free is terrible playing basketball for money is better he has a lot to the proof at the combine going undrafted isn't necessarily worse than staying in school playing basketball for free is terrible all of these things are true and because of the way the system works in the NCAA if you declare and you have an agent then you're done and you can't take back that decision And that's the structure of the NCAA being monolithic and archaic, and we don't need to go into this discussion, though Dan Wetzel had a great piece on Yahoo! last week about how the NBA's structure vis-a-vis the NCAA could change to make it better, but that's the discussion for another podcast. But for Justin Jackson himself, he isn't getting any younger, as you say, but going undrafted isn't necessarily a bad thing. You could latch on with a G League team, or you could play professionally overseas and still make money. If you're playing at Maryland, you can't make money, and that's one more year you can't make money based on playing basketball. And whatever the long-term plan is for these athletes, what they want to do after the sport, what they learned when they were at college, because some of these players do go for more than just having it be there one year before they can enter the NBA draft. You know, you're going to improve, but they're thinking more about their basketball futures first than their futures afterwards. And their basketball future, if you are Justin Jackson— you have enough upside to go into the draft and say, "Well, even if I'm a second round pick, teams can hold second round picks and use them successfully. Smart teams know how to use their draft picks, even in the NBA where the draft is so very much hit or miss and is almost exclusively like lottery tickets." You know, there's a little bit more, I'd say just from my experience, science to the other drafts as opposed to the NBA draft. And you can understand Justin Jackson's decision because last year he declared, didn't hire an agent, didn't have a great combine and came back you can't predict injuries. Injuries are a thing that happens, and because of that, you know, you can't necessarily wait another year. 22 is a little bit late to be entering the NBA now when so many players are entering at 18 and 19. You can understand his decision, and I certainly understand his decision from his perspective. And again, well, as you said, Thomas, there's not nothing necessarily that he can't get this wrong. If he does, he could be undrafted, and who knows where he could end up, but you have to, I'd say, understand the decision from his perspective. And I think it's the wisest decision he could possibly make because you only have limited amount of years to make money with your basketball talent, especially if you have an injury to the part of your body you use very often to do the thing you need to do to win basketball games.
1: I agree with most of that. I think he is actually a much higher like, ceiling prospect than you know Robert Carter was when he left earlier or the Melo Trimble was when he left earlier. I think... Justin Jackson, if he's healthy, will be an NBA rotation player next year, um, and so it makes a lot of sense. It, it's just that if he's not healthy and no one really wants to take a chance on him, you know, the mistake is that he's now stuck. Um, that's that's really the extent of my take with it. I think you know the the current NBA is you know trending toward. You can't have enough players like Justin Jackson. He's about six, seven, six, eight, with a 7-foot wingspan. Um, he can rebound. He can shoot. He can play defense. Um, he can play some versatile defense. Um, every team has or needs a couple of guys like that. And so there will be a market for him if, if he's healthy. If
0: he's healthy. Now, that is the big risk. He will assume now that he's healthy because he had shoulder surgery to fix it completely instead of you know putting Band-Aids over it, essentially. But we'll see the combine. And if he can make it work, then all the better to him. He was great last season as a freshman. He was better than any of us could have ever expected. And again, he came in at the last possible minute after all the stuff went down at UNLV. He'll go down favorably in Maryland fans' minds. I just wish we could have seen more of him. Someone that Maryland fans did see a lot of and did not pan out as a highly touted recruit was Dion Wiley. Sadly, he too had his injuries, but can never find his consistency. He had one more year of eligibility at Maryland, but decided that he is going to grad transfer after he graduates uh, this spring from Maryland. And he's going to go play somewhere else. And while this is not nearly as big of a loss as Justin Jackson, in terms of on the court production, losing depth at the guard position is something that Maryland always can't afford because, for years, they've never had the depth of guard. Now, that might be changing next year, but Dylan Wiley is somebody who could eventually get it together. We were always hoping he, that he would, but it just never seemed to come through. And what was he the 52nd or 58th, something like that, ranked recruit in his uh, senior year, right?
1: Yeah, something like that. I mean, he was he was a really talented player. I mean, the way that – the thing that I remember most is hearing when he was injured in – 2015 16, that he would have been in that starting lineup. And that was obviously the lineup that Rashid Suleiman ended up in, in the spot that Suleiman ended up in. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so kind of hearing that and remembering that, you know, always made me at least think, you know, that's what he could have been. You know, he was that type of player potentially. And after enough injuries, he just wasn't quite that. didn't develop a complete enough game. Um, Next year, I thought he would have had a role. I I made the same mistake with Jalen Brantley last year. I thought he would have been, you know, much more of a piece than he ended up being, or than he probably would have ended up being. Um, Like, I thought Brantley might have been, you know, maybe even a spot starter last year. And then he transferred, and they were like, "Oh, he was just going to be a backup." Um, Sort of, you know, same sort of thing with Wiley. Face, you have to be honest. Same sort of thing with Wiley, probably. Um, But you know, Morcell will be a year older. Anthony Cowan will be a year older. Um, Eric Ayala is coming in. You know, and then there's sort of the wings, small forward guys: Aaron Wiggins, Kevin Herter. So, I mean, that's all. Wiley would have had like a tough time competing with all of them, and they might bring in another guard on top of that, especially now. Um, and, you know, he has the chance to have a bigger role, and if he graduates, that's something he'll, you know, be able to shoot for. And, you know, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it stings a little bit, but it's it's not indispensable.
0: No, it's not indispensable. I think what we're going to say is that you have an opportunity, if you're Dion Wiley, to have a bigger role somewhere, lesser down. He says he also wants to get away from home, and that's fair. I mean, he stayed at home to go to Maryland, and that's a lot of pressure on some of these players. And for whatever reason, it just never stuck for him. And it also shows you that recruiting rankings, as emblematic of talent, And potential as they are, are not exact sciences. And Wiley was a highly touted recruit, and it never panned out for him. And this happens from time to time, and it's unfortunate. And you wish it did. But now we have to talk about the future for Maryland. Now they have three available scholarships. They had one before these moves were announced. And it's fascinating now to see what they are going to do with it. They were already looking at grad transfers. Tariq Owens, the big center, is the one that everybody's been focusing on to add depth to that front court, which seems necessary. Michael Tchaikovsky was already leaving, but now they have an extra spot. And the question is, what do you think they do with that extra spot?
1: I don't know. Um, My guess is they go for a guard. Um, Whether that's another transfer, whether that's an uncommitted uh, high school prospect. I don't know. It's, Kind of still too early to tell with that, um, but th- they'll definitely use probably two of those three, and maybe leave that third one open for you know some random trademark Mark Turgeon wild wildcard. You know a, a Tamayes type and even Bender type. Um, you know that's you have all those. That's what you can do with them. So I I would imagine that. They've got, they've got time, for sure, um, but they do have to kind of start ramping it up because, you know, when you lose Jackson and you lose Wiley and you could potentially also lose Bruno Fernando, you know, there's really not a lot of sitting around you can do.
0: I think we should certainly talk about the Bruno Fernando situation because if Maryland might not lose any more players, if they do lose one, Fernando would be the big name. And I would be shocked if at some point in the next week or two he doesn't declare for the NBA draft but doesn't hire an agent. Now, that's just based on the raw talent, and there's a lot of it there. However, who knows whether he's going to go or not, but that's the next shoe to drop, expectedly, yes?
1: Yeah, almost certainly, unless, um, you know, Owens is really into Maryland and commits before then, you know, whatever kind of timeline that is. I remember, I think the deadline is – like mid late April and Justin Jackson last year, he basically he, he had his name in there, but he like didn't make a scene of it. So maybe that's what Fernando does. Um, I don't know. I, I I really don't know what the timeline of that will be, but it's definitely it's almost certainly something he will at least explore because that's the smart thing to do um and as far as as a prospect, I think you you know you got it right he's got the talent he's got the measurables and the athleticism you know all to play. he doesn't have the fully well rounded game yet, which makes me worry it's had if he you know does go and ends up in not the right situation
0: and Diamond It's gonna be Stone. tougher
1: yeah, no exactly, you know Diamondstone was. The backup center on a team that didn't need a backup center, and then he's you know bouncing through the G League.
0: We will see how that situation plays out, but I highly, highly doubt that there aren't moves coming for Mark Turgeon, even with everything that has already happened. And you, and you said it before. I think before we were recording last year, Maryland lost Melo Trimble and Micah Thomas on the same day. This is not new for yeah, Maryland. Yeah, and, and that was also Pro Day. It
1: yeah, was and that was the same also exact pro day, day ironic, of the year. It was the exact same day of the year. It was incredible.
0: Uh, it's weird how history repeats itself in this situation. Of course, stay tuned to Testito Times for any news on Maryland, incomings and outcomings. Some loud doubt that there won't be news in the next couple of weeks in a positive or a negative direction. The grad transfer market will settle itself. And there's also the chance that for scholarships, they can get one of the walk-ons on scholarship. But we'll see how that whole situation plays out as time goes on. I believe the deadline for recruiting high school seniors is the end of May. So there is still a lot of time for Mark Turgeon and company to get things worked out. No doubt they have because they have been masters at getting late players in and turning them into contributors. So very big season coming up for Mark Turgeon. No doubt about that after what has seemingly started to go down and the spiral of news has been negative really since the start of November onwards. So he has to try to change that tide and we will see whether he is able to do that. In somewhat positive Maryland news, it was Pro Day yesterday. Neither of us could really pay attention to it because we were occupied with, well, work and other things. Uh, This was supposed to be the DJ Moore show, and it ended up being the DJ Moore show as Mel Kuyper released a mock draft saying that he was going to a certain football team that one of us has a very strong affection to. Yeah,
1: um, you know, I think Kuyper still has him with the Jaguars. You know, a lot lot more buzz. That just
0: feels good when you say it. (laughs) It just feels great when you say it. A lot more buzz about.
1: Yeah, I'm also hearing some buzz about Panthers. Uh, Norv Turner was there yesterday. um, Talked to him, made him run through other drills. The Panthers, I believe, have the 24th pick. Um, And
0: they desperately need a wide receiver.
1: And they need a wide receiver.
0: They also have a Maryland wide receiver on their roster, too.
1: Yeah, they just traded for uh, Torrey Smith. So, so, I mean, are, are that Raven would.
0: Fans going to now subtly root for the Panthers?
1: I'd I'd hop on that bandwagon pretty quick, honestly, because the Redskins are just doing Redskins things now.
0: And the Ravens have Joe Flacco, and he's elite, of course.
1: Yeah, the Ravens also don't have wide receivers.
0: True, they do not have receivers, but they have other things that are bigger needs. It seems.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, we'll we'll still see how that goes. I think. You know, more because he ran I think a four four two at the combine. You know, he didn't he didn't run any forties, didn't do a lot of didn't do a lot at pro day, um, but he didn't hurt himself. Um you know, he caught everything. And JC Jackson I think had a similarly productive day, didn't do a lot of the drill didn't do a lot of the tests, but did some drills. Um he still seems like a mid to late round prospect himself. Um Will likely made an appearance and he's fully healthy now. So, to be determined what comes of that. You know he obviously can't be drafted because he came out last year, but um, he should get a shot. Josh Woods apparently ran a 4.46, which is interesting.
0: See, when you told me that before the show, I went Josh Woods.
1: Yeah, Josh no Woods. No offense to
0: Josh Woods, but I I just I hadn't heard that name in a while. Yeah, certain Star Wars quote here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's, I'm I'm kind of interested to see you know what happens with that. Um, You know, Jermaine Carter looked like he did pretty well for himself. Maybe Savon Walker did did some things well. So it's a lot of those guys that, you know, none of those guys probably played their way into, you know, the draft, but a lot of those guys have you know turned some heads and should get it a shot in the spring, at least.
0: And remember, there are now multiple uh, spring football leagues, including the Alliance of American Football, which is the best name for a league you've ever heard, and is certainly the name of a league that isn't going to die after a year. Totally. So Maryland players could eventually populate that league, or Vince McMahon's XFL, minus all the things that made the XFL actually interesting.
1: More football is good for Maryland. Yeah, it's going to be weird to see Perry Hills in the
0: XFL. He's the perfect XFL player, actually. <laughs> he is the perfect player for the XFL. What's his nickname going to be on the back of his jersey? Uh, Wrestler from Pittsburgh? Something like that. Uh, we have to, he, how could he not have a – that actually it's perfect. Thank you, Thomas, for that. That just made this podcast. So, jeez. I'm never going to stop thinking about Perry Hills in the XFL now. And I have a baseball game to call later today. And now I'm stuck with that in my head for the rest of the time. Well, it's better than starting to think about Ready Player One. And in honor of Ready Player One's shameless Radies references every 10 seconds. That's why you had a Star Wars joke in this episode. Anyway, let's get to lacrosse and other uh, spring sports great news. Uh, If you stayed up late last weekend to watch Maryland beat North Carolina, good on you because they beat North Carolina. And that's always good in any sport, even when it happened late because the games are in California. I still can't believe that they're playing lacrosse games in California at this point in the year, but anyway. Well,
1: it's... uh yeah, it is what it is. I mean, that's that's like a, a mid-season tournament that they had. They're I think it was earlier last year, by the way. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean Yeah, I think they had it earlier last year, so I'm, I was kind of surprised it was as late as it was. But
0: on well, the verge of conference yeah. season too, that's why it kind of felt a little bit odd.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it worked out because there was like it was thirty degrees or something on the East Coast when that happened.
0: And still feels like it was probably snowing.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: It probably was. Uh, Maryland did beat North Carolina, and that's good.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And then
0: earlier that day, um, a game I actually ended up covering,
1: uh, women's lacrosse took down James Madison.
0: You talked Um, about that a lot on the last podcast, and it kind of seemed that what you were saying was going to play out played out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, you know, Maryland's just clearly a better team. Well, especially at home. You know, they haven't lost at home since 2012. That's insane. Yeah, they've won – 69 consecutive home games.
0: How nice is that? That is very nice. Okay, so the. Sorry, we had to do it.
1: Yep, that was that was obligatory. That's why we had a pause right before. Were you um, Were you
0: waiting before the show to get that one in?
1: Oh no, I definitely tried to uh, work it into the story, and I I was able to, but that you was. You were able to. How subtle
0: was it? Me. Were the comments just all saying nice?
1: Uh, the comments in the story, no. Ah, uh-huh. um, but.
0: But that's why this podcast exists—to make the jokes you were probably thinking about too.
1: Yep. But uh, no. So they took care of that. They've moved up to number three. Um, right Who's behind it uh, it's Stony Brook and Boston College, who are both undefeated. So it, it makes some sense.
0: Very, very good. The other Maryland beat last season for the national championship.
1: Yeah. So you know, and the, actually this year the I think the f- championship is at Stony Brook. So. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun.
0: Drum roll, please.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, Maryland, should, I'm guessing, will will stay at three until one of those teams loses. Um,
0: Is there anybody they, in the Big Ten that can reasonably give them a run for their money?
1: I honestly don't think so.
0: These are questions worth asking, because it doesn't seem like that's been the case in the past.
1: They played number 24, Georgetown, last night, and beat them by 12.
0: You know what, it's kind of funny, and I don't, the comparisons are not entirely compatible, but, I mean, I was watching UConn women play South Carolina in the Elite Eight uh, a couple of days ago, and the fact that they were up by 20 at halftime or something crazy, and that's the defending national champions, Maryland women's lacrosse isn't quite like that, but they're close, and they're beating a ranked team by a billion is just, it's just insane to me. Like, that's still a very good lacrosse team, and Maryland just took them to the woodshed. Like, I sometimes don't think we appreciate how good that team really is, and we take it for granted, and we shouldn't.
1: Oh, I mean, we definitely take it, you know, for granted, just because
0: they're 20-1 and every year. It's it's bonkers, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't happen as much with the men's team, because they hadn't won national championships until last year, but they are still as dominant as they've ever been, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So, again, when everything else goes wrong, just look back at lacrosse. Always, always good there. Uh, Who does men's play next? I believe the conference play starts for them, too, very shortly. Both
1: teams are playing uh, Michigan on Saturday.
0: Ah, I think Maryland's men's team might have a little bit more trouble with Michigan than the women will.
1: Yeah, and uh, especially, well, I don't know if it's especially, but Michigan's head coach is uh, Maryland's defensive coordinator last year.
0: I think Maryland's coaching staff probably has more coaches plucked from it than almost any other in college lacrosse. Well, why wouldn't you? I don't think that there's a really hard reason to figure out why that would be the case. So that will be very interesting. But John Tillman has probably coached against a billion of his former assistants already, like Nick Saban has. Again, I'm not comparing Maryland men's lacrosse to Alabama football, but again, you make these comparisons because it makes us feel good about life. Uh, let's talk about baseball as well. Uh, just reading the stories on Testudo Times every day, this team has been really up and down. Big highs, bigger lows.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, if if you catch them on a weekend, you might get a good outing. Um, they've allowed 50 runs in seven midweek games this year, Ooh. which is... Oh,
0: God, that's, that's bad.
1: Yeah, um, but also, like, they're pitching complete game shutouts on the weekend. And they're that's hitting just enough season. to...
0: You talked before through the season about uh, how they might have trouble with midweek starters. I thought, yeah, I mean, that was a problem for them last year. didn't think it was a problem for them the year in. before.
1: Yeah, it was a problem for them last year. It was a problem for them the year before. I mean, what they've, you know, their, their whole thing has been they, they've ended up with three good starters, even though we only knew they were going to have two because uh, Hunter Parsons, who started the year horribly has been really good for a while. Um, and, But beyond that, it's still a lot of question marks that haven't been answered, and conference play starts this weekend.
0: Mm, and that's not particularly appetizing, because Maryland, they've been okay in the Big Ten, but they haven't been great.
1: They were one of the favorites in the conference this year, um, but, but it's, it's definitely tough to see them in that same spot right now.
0: Things could change. Of course, but they've been so up and down and out of conference play that it's it's hard to imagine a team finding consistency this late, but we've seen stranger things, and you'd hope they do that, but the Big Ten is always a very good baseball league, so you're going to be playing against good teams almost every series, and that's something they will have to get used to as time goes on. Hopefully, they find consistency. We've been saying that a lot recently, and how about softball?
1: Well, softball took two out of three from the actual worst team in the Big Ten, so... Kind of that's good.
0: Now, now, hold on a second. Thomas, who is the worst team in the Big Ten in softball? That would be the Penn State Nittany Lions. Oh, that feels good to hear. They're the worst team in something, as they play in the NIT final tonight, which makes me feel bad about everything in life. Anyway, uh, you also, I remember you talking about this on Twitter earlier this week. You wrote about gymnastics. I want you to talk about this experience. Yeah, no, gymnastics in the NCAAs. Uh,
1: that's exciting. Um, that's first time it's happened in my college career they missed it each of the last two years um you know it's a young team this year but had its best finish in the big 10 um brett nelligan the head coach is big 10 coach of the year um yeah and I, ironically enough they're actually going to start in raleigh which is the exact oh, same place by. the women's basketball team Yeah, it's the exact same place the women's basketball team started out um
0: hopefully they do better
1: It'll be tough, too, because I think it's only maybe two teams making it out of that into the, like, finals.
0: And I, there's six teams in the region. You do not come to me for gymnastics information. <laughs> I, I am not the kind of person who goes out of his way to watch gymnastics on Olympics primetime every four years. I'm watching the rugby and the water polo and just about anything else. But it's good to see Maryland doing well in all sports, gymnastics or what have you. Uh, we mentioned this off the top of the show. The best news of what was a really kind of an iffy news day. Lefty Giselle, God bless, finally in the Hall of Fame after about a billion years of waiting for no real reason.
1: Yep. Um, you know, it, it's obviously it hasn't been. It. Just yeah, it, it hasn't been formally announced. It, it it confused me a little bit because you know Feinstein tweets it, and when he tweets it, it he's not gonna be wrong usually. But like obviously it's. It's not really being reported, and so we we wrote it, and then Feinstein actually wrote a story himself for the Post, and that's when we ran with it. Um, but but as far as it what is? it actually is, as far as what it actually is, I mean, yeah, it, it's exciting. My, I think the best part about it is just he gets to do it when now you know while he's still alive. Because
0: um, that's what I think a lot of us were worried about.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's 86, and. You know, his health's been up and down for a while. I think it's I think it's fine right now, but but you still you know, you, you just get worried. And he's done a lot for basketball and it's great to see him
0: finally get it. I think doing a lot for basketball is understated. I mean, you could argue he transformed modern college basketball. Kinda helped it become what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean is that's that- that's definitely the that's one argument you can make. I mean the If nothing else, you know, he was a fantastic coach at a lot of different places. And it's hard to, you know, build four different programs up. From nothing? Yeah. and he he succeeded everywhere he went.
0: It's, uh, you have a lot of people in the world of basketball who would be vouching for him for years and years and years. And they finally get to see it. The announcement's Saturday. But you finally get to see this. And I think all Maryland fans are happy. Because the university at times didn't treat Lefty the best. And now that he's in the Hall of Fame, I think everybody could be happy. The situation is finally over and the wait's over for him and for everybody who had been following well this program since he's been here and everybody who knows about basketball. Lefty's one of the best. And congratulations to him. It should be a great, great announcement, even though we know it's coming. It's long overdue, so the joy will still be there for each and every one of us. Uh, Speaking for this weekend, uh, Sister Jean... Are you rooting for her or against her?
1: Rooting for her. I don't really have a preference one way or another. Past this point, um, I'd be surprised if you know Loyola ended up beating Michigan.
0: These runs usually Michigan end doesn't... in the final four. Yeah, usually. Um, I don't think an eleven has ever made the title game. No. Um, the lowest seed to ever make a title game, I believe, is an eight.
1: Yeah, and that's happened a few times, and a couple of them have won it. But Mm -hmm. it's 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 a one one three and eleven. So who knows?
0: I should mention should I mention where I am in the bracket challenge, or will that be gloating?
1: I think it's fine to mention. It's better than me.
0: It is better than you, but I wasn't going to say that, Thomas. But since you said it, I feel okay. Uh, This humble guy, who sometimes gets lucky in sports and other times is not, is fourth out of like 150 people. Last year, there were, I think, 320. Much more interest in these bracket challenges, I must assume, when Maryland is in the tournament. So I didn't have as many people to jump. But thankfully, because Nova and Kansas and Michigan did the thing, didn't really matter that the South region was chaos because no one got the South region right unless you were uh, some dude's mother for a site I used to work for, which was an amazing story I got to read, who had the entire Final Four right, including Loyola, Chicago. Also, by the way, if Villanova
1: wins, I think you have a chance at tying for the win.
0: I think that's what I have, too. I haven't done the math. I was doing the math in the pools that would make me money. I think the best in some of them I could finish is second, which is better than I have finished in a long time. But as I said before on a podcast, the only time I ever get the national champion right is when I picked it to be North Carolina. But it seems that this year it might actually happen. I was down in the end between Villanova and Kansas. I ended up going with Villanova in the end. And uh, the Nova Kansas game is going to be amazing. Now, I have to tell you something about the Kansas team stream that I found out yesterday. Would you like to know who the sideline reporter is going to be? I'm fascinated. Who do you think it could be? I don't have an answer for you. You don't have an answer. And you wouldn't have an answer because the answer is Rob Riggle. Exciting. I, I could not believe it when I heard the announcement. And then I retweeted the guy, quote retweeted the guy who announced it he's going to do the color, and I did it in a vague way where you could vaguely misinterpret it as optimism or excitement because I'm not obviously not a Kansas fan. But it wasn't quite negative saying, like, Turner, what the hell are you thinking either? Because if you've watched any of Rob Riggle's uh, Fox NFL Sunday segments – I don't know how you could actually do that without having your eardrums explode. But if you do, uh, they're not what you'd call funny in any way. And so now, I know it's Homerism, but he's going to have to interview Bill Self and Devontae Graham in the middle of a Final Four game against Villanova. In most years, this would be the national championship game. And I guess he's going to play it straight, maybe? I don't know. Not on the
1: t- I mean, on the team stream, no, that's not really what you do. But Well,
0: I mean, you... Just, I, I'm just thinking to myself, Bill oh, I don't self, think he'll try is, to
1: be, I don't think he'll try to ask funny questions in the middle of a game.
0: No, of course he won't. But this, the, the, it's just the team stream is always still weird to me. And I, I get why they do it. I, I like it in principle In practice. I don't think they work particularly well.
1: Which one's on TNT this year.
0: The TNT one is Kansas and Michigan.
1: Cause that, that's the funniest thing to me. When they put it on, T, when they put the actual game on TBS, so many people turn into TNT and, think that's the actual telecast, and they get so mad.
0: And They say, it happens like clockwork every year.
1: Yeah, I mean, every year they have the actual game on TBS, which I think has only happened maybe twice.
0: So they started the team stream in 2014 when the Final Four was on TBS. The National Championship game was on CBS that year. And then this happened in 2016 when they had the final on TBS for the first time. They didn't have it last year because the games were on CBS, and CBS doesn't want the alternate streams. But since the Final Four National Championship game are on TBS this year, they're doing the team streams again. And, uh, yes, you can watch Rob Riggle, the sideline reporter. I mean, hey, why the hell not? <laughs> the Dead So, star anyway, that's my, weekend plan. No,
1: that's my well, weekend plan now. So
0: that's my weekend plan. It might be my weekend plan, too, just to make up cut-ups of the Rob Riggle stuff uh, during the Kansas-Villanova game. Because, uh, wait, well, I was reading the comments of the guy who tweeted that it was going to be Rob Riggle, the sideline reporter, and the a number of biased CBS announcer tweets was through the roof, but I could assume Villanova, Michigan fans are probably saying the same thing. Somehow I doubt Loyola Chicago fans are saying that. Now, the Loyola Chicago team stream, that is something I might watch for the novelty of it all because you're never um, going to see it again.
1: They have Sister Jean on it, or is uh, that not allowed?
0: I'm going to look that up because if they don't, then it's a missed opportunity. Uh, here we go. Team stream commentators. The Michigan team cast. Jay Feely is the analyst. That's interesting. Did not expect that. And the reporter, oh my god. Sanjay Gupta from CNN. <laughs> okay, that just made me laugh. Uh, Jeff Hagedorn. Okay, so they're taking the radio voice from the Loyola guy. Uh, Jerry Harkness. Okay, he's cool. Oh, the reporter's awesome. Do you know who the reporter is? No. Shams. Let's go. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Okay, that's I'm gonna watch that. Alright. And then I told you about the I told you about the Kansas team cast. Oh, the and who's the analyst for the Villanova team cast? I guessed it was gonna be Chris Jenkins. It's not, it's Randy Foy. And that's fantastic, because I remember Randy Foy when he played for Villanova all those years back. That's cool. Okay, the team stream in principle is cool and practice is often just kind of weird. But uh, Shams is the Loyola reporter. Uh, give me that every second of every day. I want this in my life immediately.
1: Alright, to close this out, who would be your Maryland team stream?
0: That's a good question, and the only answer to this question is simulcast the radio feed, because only Maryland fans want to listen to Johnny Holiday. Now, the problem is, I don't think they could get Scott Van Pelt to do it, and that would be the only other thing they could do, and, I mean, if, I mean, that would be the problem, like, would ESPN allow SVP to do it? Because he would do it, but, what, what, what would it be? Would it be? Would it be Johnny Holiday, Grievous Vasquez, and Scott Van Pelt? Like that's the dream one.
1: Well, I would. I would definitely put Vasquez on color. I mean, I. I there are a few other play-by-play guys who could probably do it. Um, me,
0: me. I hope you're going to say <laughs> me. I'd hear somewhere it. on that list. Hi, hi, Turner. Sign me up. Who are the other ones? Because I can't. I've got friends who are Maryland alums that would absolutely do it. Who have had more success in the industry than I have.
1: Would uh? Would we put? Would you put Tim uh? Tim Kirkshin on the sideline or something? Uh,
0: I guess we could. We could. Oh, That would be funny. But again, the ESPN thing. Uh, who could do play-by-play? That's the biggest question. Uh, besides Johnny Holiday, which is the obvious answer. And me. <laughs> I've got friends who are probably listening to the show saying, me, me, me. Yes, I know who you are. It's okay. I'm thinking yeah. about you, too. Uh, yeah but I can't we'll, think we'll, of any... we'll come back we'll get back to it we'll get we'll get back to you when maryland makes the final four in a year where they're doing the team streams yep because inevitably what will end up happening is they'll make the final four in a year where they're not doing the team streams yep and then we won't have this but uh <laughs> that would be probably the only time i'm watching the team streams unless we're talking about shams interviewing sister Jean, in which case i'm watching that every second of every day because that is amazing okay turner you win now, please do well with the Champions League in this exact way, but you won't. So, I'm, I'm afraid of that because Steve Nash is a soccer analyst. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be back very soon, hopefully with better Maryland basketball news than we have been having of late. But until then, of course, the dirt.